friends, welcome back to Good and Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Coburn. This is a place where we will talk all things Jesus, how to love Him, be like Him, and walk in a manner worthy of His name. I am really excited to spend some time with you today. Hey friends, and welcome back. I am so glad you're here with me today. Did you miss me? I'm so sorry it's been weeks upon weeks since I have released an episode. It's not for a lack of having them written. It was mostly due to lack of voice. I went out of town in the middle of October, and when I got home, I started getting a cold. That cold turned into an upper respiratory infection, double ear infection, and six days of laryngitis with almost zero voice. Then, for the two weeks that followed, I sounded like an 80-year-old smoker. This past Sunday was the first time I could sing and lead worship, and it felt almost completely normal. Since we are heading into the holidays, episodes will be a little sporadic. Usually, I don't do them during the holidays, but since I had to take so much time off, I do want to share with you occasionally. You know how crazy busy life gets during the holidays, though, and since this is a one-woman show, it gets even harder for me to get them out every week. That being said... I felt really pushed to get this episode out. I felt pressed that this was an important message. I even told my husband that I felt the sickness that I had was spiritual warfare concerning this very message. It's important. For some, this might sting a little, but please bear with me. These words were written with complete and utter love and a desire for you to experience Christ in a new way. Let's dive in. Sin is something we all struggle with. Whether you like to admit it or not, there is an area of your life considered sinful and you fight it on a daily basis. Proverbs talks constantly about the fool and the wise. Proverbs 10.27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Proverbs 10.13 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Proverbs 5, 21-23 says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. These are just three passages from Proverbs a book that is full of warning and promises. Warning for the wicked fool who goes about life however they want and thinks that their sins will never catch up with them. Promises for the wise and righteous that their days will be prolonged when they listen and obey to the voice of wisdom and more importantly, the voice of the Holy Spirit. I've noticed that there tends to be three camps in Christian culture. The first is the legalistic camp. They take the words found in scripture and turn them into a big, huge list of rules, do's and don'ts to follow so that they don't get punished and go to hell. If something seems gray, then they make it a don't and they add it to their list of unachievable and stressful rules that ultimately leads to failure. Because, come on guys, let's be honest, we cannot be exactly like Jesus and lead a perfect life. We all sin no matter how hard we try not to. This camp chastises anyone who seemingly breaks the rules and heaven forbid you decide to openly do something that they deem is wrong. 
I have known people to ostracize others because, Lord have mercy, they drank a beer with dinner. The worst part about this camp is that it ultimately heaps a ton of shame on those who cannot keep up with perfect lifestyle. When someone is not deemed good enough, they're told to work harder, be better, get it right next time. There's a never-ending cycle of trying to reach quote-unquote good status and never being able to. The work of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding is left out, and forgiveness and grace are rarely talked about in a way that seems like it's offered for the person who is tempted and struggles daily. They may go on and on about grace and God's love, but their actions towards the sinner does not show God's grace when it all boils down to it. I need to move on to other camps because honestly, this camp makes me angry. And I don't want to go on a diatribe about how horribly damaging this camp is and not get to the good and positive. Just know this camp is damaging and an endless cycle of trying to achieve something that is unachievable. If you grew up in this camp, I am so sorry. There is freedom and grace from legalism. And if you feel like a screw up, or a mistake, you are not. You are loved fiercely by the God of the universe who made you and declared that you were good. He has called you by name and declares you his. He wants a personal relationship with you that is free from shame. I mean, it might be time to find a new camp to live in. On the other side of the coin is camp number two, the progressive Christianity camp. This is one of the more scary camps you can live in. Let me explain. Here in the progressive camp, we find the statement, do whatever makes you feel good. Sin does not really exist in minor forms. Sure, murder is wrong and stealing a million dollars is most likely wrong. But a good portion of this theology throws out the teachings of the Bible. So why would we want to hold ourselves to a moral standard, especially one found in scripture? A major problem is that there isn't really a creed or a doctrine that progressives unite around. They do not consider the Bible the holy word of God and infallible. Instead, they see it as a great history book and a roadmap. They tend more towards humanism or even atheism than Christianity. And taking a deep dive into the theology of progressives, I even came across a statement that they view Christ's death on the cross as a result of God being a quote-unquote divine child abuser, and therefore they deny the atonement of Christ on the cross. The newish fad of deconstructing your faith is so scary because it tends to lead into a more progressive theology. I've come to the conclusion that progressive Christianity at its core and truest form is not Christianity at all. It is its own religion that wants to hold on to some semblance of the believer's past faith, the part that you're declared good and will make it to heaven, but throws out all the main and life-changing views of Christianity as a life-changing belief system. They lack a moral code. They They don't believe hell is real. There are no consequences for your actions in the long-term scheme of things, and their view of Jesus is way off base from the true Jesus of the Bible. Hebrews 10, 23-25 says, Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. 
And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Progressives love good works and loving each other, which we are called to do. But we are also called to hold fast to, fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. When we decide that we don't want to follow the word of God anymore because it does not line up with our own moral code or part of it does not seem attractive to us, we are saying that we do not need a savior in those areas of our life and our ways are better. This is where things start to get scary because you cannot pick and choose areas of scripture that you want to follow and others that you want to deem quote-unquote old-fashioned or irrelevant. If you are residing in the progressive theology mindset, may I ask you to do me a favor? Can you take the next several weeks or even months and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Look at who Jesus really was. Make notes about his character. See how he loved the woman at the well so fiercely that he broke the law and spoke to her intimately. Found in John 4. See how Jesus saw Zacchaeus hiding in a tree, just trying to catch a glimpse of him passing by. And Jesus stopped and invited himself to dinner. He did this so that he could truly know Zacchaeus. He wanted to know his heart, where he came from, who he was. Luke 19. Read as he called the money changers robbers and he threw them out of the temple because they were perverting the beautiful worship of God. Matthew 21. The worst part of progressive theology is that those who walk with this belief miss out on the sheer beauty that is following Christ. The beauty that you are deeply and profoundly loved and known. He did not just stop in the middle of a busy street to get angry that someone touched his garment and the power flowed out of him. He stopped so that he could bring recognition to the woman with the issue of blood. He wanted her to feel seen, to feel loved, and to know that she was healed from sin and physical ailments. He took time to stop and truly see her for the gift that she was. And then he called her daughter. Matthew 9. Christianity is not a list of rules to follow that are unachievable. It's a beautiful gift. It's not a religion, but a relationship with the Savior of the world. A Savior who wants to remove your shame, free you from anxiety, and give you peace in a world that is far from peaceful. It does not mean that life will be easy and fun and happy 24-7. But it means that you are never alone. It means that, the, that at the end of this life, we can join together in heaven with fellow believers and spend an eternity in true worship. Camp number three is the best possible camp to live in. This camp is true freedom in Christ. It's a beautiful, messy, joy-filled camp. It's where I hope all of you truly reside or are packing your bags in order to head there now. 
Here we find sin called sin, freedom called freedom, grace runs freely, and everyone is fiercely loved. Is everyone perfect that lives in this camp? (laughs) Heck no. I live in this camp. I'm not perfect. However, we recognize that sanctification is a daily process. We strive for holiness knowing that sometimes, a lot of times, we will mess up and we will know that we are not walking this journey alone. We have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us and wanting a personal relationship the whole time. When you read the scriptures, there are lists of do's and don'ts. I think this is where legalists really get it wrong. They live and die by these lists. If you don't follow them to a T, you are going to be held accountable. Bye, man. We've often told our college students that their sin will not cause them to go to hell. For example, having sex before marriage will not be a one-way ticket straight to hell. Scripture talks about abstaining from it because it's God's best for your life. When you wait until marriage, you are declaring that you want to give your spouse and God the gift of sex on the day of your covenant. But let's take it one more step further. Sex before marriage won't send you to hell. But every time you have sex before marriage, because it's not a holy act and it is considered sinful, you are putting one more brick in the wall that separates you from Christ. The deep relationship cannot be achieved because God cannot look at sin. When you are practicing sin on a daily basis with an unrepentant heart, you are adding separation between you and God. I've seen it happen. I've seen sin keep people from church. I've seen sin push their Christian friends away and push them to the curb because they are shameful of their actions and they don't want to admit they're doing anything wrong. When you don't want to admit sin, you're either wanting to continue in the worldly fun or you are so full of shame that you do not want the uncomfortable situation of saying your actions out loud. Legalism makes you believe that if you've committed the sin once, you are always going to be seen as dirty and therefore you must work harder and harder to obtain salvation because you screwed up. Progressives say that sexual morality is an old-fashioned concept that applied to people back in biblical times, but that it does not apply to us because society has changed. You do what makes you feel good and what is right for you. Christ says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. The way to sin is heavy, but Christ doesn't want us to carry it. He died and shed his blood so that we would not have to carry it. All we have to do is hand it over to him and he will replace it with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and true rest. Yes, there are lists of sins found in scripture. Yes, they still apply to us today, but they are there for our protection, not because they are meant to stifle us. Christ knew that we would want to go along with the world. He knew that things would tempt us that would ultimately lead to harm. So he's saying, hey, don't do these things because they come with consequences. I want you to live a fully whole and as pain-free as possible life. Those things over there, they bring with them pain. 
Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand for therefore, firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 2 Corinthians 3.17-18 says, now the, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And Colossians 1, 10 through 14 says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and lights. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Legalism and progressive theology do not offer freedom. One might look like freedom, but I wonder how many struggle with guilt and shame and the quiet of their own thoughts. They may say they are free, but why is there so much anxiety and shame? And why do they fight so hard for us to see it their way? Legalism is not freedom at all. It's quite the opposite of freedom. But in Christ, we are free. He takes our burdens. He gives us redemption and salvation. He calls us his sons and daughters and his treasures. He wants to spend time with you in relationship, and he sees you as worthy, loved, and whole. What sounds bad about all of that? There is freedom for all, and it's just waiting. All you have to do is to ask the Holy Spirit to take your burdens and your shame, and then declare Christ Lord over your life and and start walking in his freedom. He made it simple. He is waiting with open arms. Come to him, you who are weary. He is ready to give you rest. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. If today's episode made you think or meant something to you, please leave a review. I also ask that you share this podcast with those you feel would benefit from listening. You can find me on social media at Good and Glory Podcast. Stop by and say hello. And until next time, may the grace of Jesus be with you.